Hey, River Valley, I am so excited because preaching this weekend is Pastor Choco, and he's back with us, and I'm so excited because uh, he called me and said, hey, I've got a new book coming out in June. Uh, is there any time in that frame, like right after, can you get me in? I said, we've got the spot for you, and uh, he's no stranger here at River Valley. He's been with us a couple of times. Here at all of our campuses, I want you to get ready for Love Them Anyway by Choco De Jesus. Come on, welcome Pastor Choco as he comes to bring the word today. Thank you, my friend. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you so much. What a joy. What a joy. What a joy to celebrate this weekend, 4th of July. Happy 4th of July weekend. Thank you, Pastor Rob and River Valley, you guys, uh, I, I think I've been here quite often that I think I'm moving my membership over here to River Valley or something. <laughs> People are wondering. But what a joy to be here and to introduce to you all, love them anyway. Before I do that, I always love to show the pictures of my family. So let me show you a picture of my lovely wife, Elizabeth. Uh, we have been married 32 years on June 11th. Come on now. June 11, 1988, will be 33 years. I'm trying to help you guys out there. You need to know these dates. You need to, it gives you credit. Come on now. Now, Elizabeth and I have three beautiful children. Let me show you my tribe. Uh, this is my tribe. Now it's your tribe, River Valley. Uh, these are my three children, and they're all married and out of the house. Glory to God in the highest. Not this Hispanic father that wants their kids to stay with them. No, they're like arrows in my quiver. We shoot them out. They got to go in Jesus' name. But we praise the Lord. We praise the Lord. Elizabeth and I, I tell people, y'all, that Elizabeth and I are living in the more of God. We're living in the more because God has allowed Elizabeth and I to see our three children worship the Lord. Come on now. The greatest legacy I can leave on planet Earth is not that I pastored a great church in Chicago or that I'm the general treasurer of the Assemblies of God. The, the great legacy is that my three children love Jesus. Now, Elizabeth and I, we're grandparents. Let me show you our, our, uh, another picture. Let me show you this picture. Now, this picture here, this picture here, it, it was only three seconds, and I was telling the photographer, I said, for the love of God, take the picture. Take the picture. Look at my five grandchildren. Now, I don't know how many of you are, are, are grandparents. Are there any grandparents in the house? If you are grandparents, let me tell you, that's one of the greatest ministries. God should have given us the grandchildren first and then kept the kids or something. But we praise the Lord. Let me show you a picture of uh, Charlie Grace. Charlie Grace. This is Charlie Grace. She just turned five. She's the oldest of our five grandchildren. And I want to show you this next picture because it, it speaks about loving people. Watch this next picture of Charlie Grace during 2020, during the riots in Chicago, my granddaughter was out in the streets feeding police officers. Come on now. This is loving people. Loving. This is the, this is the call of the church of Jesus Christ. It's to tap into the currency of heaven, which is love. Let me show you my next granddaughter. This is Reagan Live. Pray for me. She's white with blue eyes. This is a predicament because I, now if I go to Target or Walmart, I got to go with her birth certificate because people are doing think I stole her. I tell my daughter, I said, baby, I need her birth certificate. 
This is Reagan living around 8 o'clock p.m. Every night, y'all, she'll call me up and say, Papa, would you pray for me? I'm telling you, we're living in the more of God, seeing my children serve the Lord and my grandchildren serve the Lord. It's a beautiful thing. Let me show you James, James Anthony. James Anthony is going to be a piano player like his daddy and a golfer. He's a golfer like his daddy. James Anthony is going to be two years old to the glory of God. Let me show you Donovan. Let me show you Donovan. This is Reagan's little brother, and he's going to be turning two. And then the last granddaughter, go ahead. And this is Alea. She just turned one to the glory of God. She just turned one. So these are my five grandchildren. This is your tribe. Now, is my, when you think about Pastor Choco, you can now pray for us and pray that God will continue to bless my grandchildren. Many of you know, many of you know, prior coming to River Valley, I was serving at, in Chicago as the lead pastor. And in 2019, the Lord has asked me to move to Springfield, Missouri. Chicago. <laughs> Springfield. Pizza. No pizza. I'm telling you, pray for me. This is just, but I do it out of obedience. Look at me. Because understanding can wait, but obedience cannot. That many of us are not experiencing what God has for us because we're trying to understand him. And he doesn't ask you to understand him. He's asking you to obey him and to love those who are unlovable. To love those who don't look like you, walk like you, act like you, smell like you. I remember during the riots of 1977 in Chicago, that was my context. Many of you all here at River Valley may know my story, and some of you are new to our family here. But I want to give you at least a context of who your pastor is bringing during this weekend of 4th of July. I lived in Chicago with no father, no Jesus. My brother, leader of a gang, one of the meanest gangs in the city of Chicago. Failed third grade because he couldn't read or write. So this is my story, and I know you all have your story, but this is my story. There I am in the 1970s with no Jesus, no father, destined for destruction for sure, but God. Come on now. But God. He intercepted me at the age of 14 years old. At the age of 14 years old, God sent me to a Pentecostal church, AG church, Assembly of God church. And there's where I gave my life to Jesus during the summer of 1977. I'm getting to a point because I want to get to the place where you, you and I have to be at. At the age of 14 years old, that local church went to a youth convention in Lansing, Michigan, where they had the youth department there from that district. And they said, Choco, we're going to Lansing, Michigan. Do you want to come to the youth service? I said, absolutely. So we headed from Chicago to Lansing, Michigan. The place had hundreds of young people. The preacher was preaching. He made an altar call. And I got saved again. How many have gotten saved many times in your life? Tell the truth, shame the devil. Every time there's an altar call, I want to make sure I go to the altar. Because I want to make sure that God has every part of my heart. So there I was, 14 years old, I'm kneeling down at the altar of this hotel, I'm kneeling down, and a lady comes, and she puts her hands on my shoulder, and she begins to pray, y'all, she begins to pray, and speaks in tongues. It's not in Spanish, because I'm Puerto Rican. I know Spanish. I've never heard this language before. Then she prophesied, and she said these words, I've called you to be a great leader, 
Stay in my path. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. Now I'm 14. At 56 that I am today, I know that's the covenant that God made with Abraham. And at 14, I'm thinking, this is pretty cool. And I remember 15 minutes passed by. I don't know even know who the lady was, but I got up from the altar, went into the elevator, started thinking about what the lady said. And then I, as I get into the elevator, the doors are about to close, and a gentleman walks in in a suit. When the doors closed, he looked towards me, and he said these words, have you not heard? I've called you to be a great leader. Stay in my path. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. Now I'm thinking it's the husband of the lady that was at the altar. I don't know. Maybe they're in cahoots. I didn't sign up for this. I didn't get in the van to go from Chicago to Lansing, Michigan. I just wanted the doors to open and run down the hallway. Little did I know that God knew that I needed a love of a father. He knew that if I don't get a hold of this kid, he's going to be lost forever. That's the love of a father. And he rescued me at the age of 14. I want to tell you about a group of people, of believers, who, who saw their way was collapsing and around them and, 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 and that their rights were being taken away from them. And they became very angry. And they gathered together to complain about their conditions. And they felt demoralized and worried about the future. And they wanted to fight back because... They wanted God to provide a quick solution to their problems. And you're probably thinking, Pastor Choco, that's America. No, I'm talking about 538 BC. We're not the only ones in 2021 that have gone through some drama. A lot of whole folks gone through some dramas in the Bible. I'm referring to the conquered Jews that were living in Babylon. Jerusalem had been destroyed. You know the story by the Babylonian army. And many who have taken out into exile. And there were a lot of prophecies happening during that season. Some said, hey, you're going to be here for two years. And don't worry about it. You're going to be out of here. But then comes the prophet Jeremiah. And he said, these people are lying. They don't speak for God. And what did Jeremiah say? It's going to be 70 years, y'all. You all better get married. You all better have children. Have your businesses. Get acclimated. Because we're going to be here for a while. And we're living in a culture today that many of us are complaining. Many of us want, are demoralized. We, we have been perhaps said, God, you have forsaken us. And I've come to tell you all here at River Valley, you all better get acclimated. You all better know that who you represent. You represent the kingdom of God here on earth. Oh, come on, somebody. I'm trying to tell you that no matter how they got there, no matter how you and that got here after 2020 and COVID and all that, and I know COVID is real, y'all. My mother died from COVID on May 9th last year. So I know it's real. But I also know that the God that I serve is real. And I cannot allow a disease to paralyze me, to demoralize me. During the season that we're in right now, I want to challenge every single one of you all through all of our campuses that you need to have a kingdom-minded set. You need a kingdom mind. Because we're citizens of heaven. 
We're here in the United States, but we're citizens of heaven. Does that make sense? The Bible says in Mark chapter 12, verse 28, and one of these scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another and seeing that he answered them well and asked them, which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, the most important here or Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. Look at me. Essentially, you got to be all in. If you're going to serve the Lord, you're going to be all in. This is essentially what you and I have to do in this culture that we're living in. And by the way, I got news for cancer culture. You cannot cancel what you did not create. And you did not create the church of Jesus Christ. And the Bible tells me that not even the gates of hell will prevail against the church. His love will prevail regardless of what you say. Love the Lord your God. River Valley, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. In verse 31, he says, the second is this, that you shall love your neighbors as yourself. There's no other commandment greater than these. And then the scribe told him, you're right, teacher. You have truly said that, that he is one and there's no other beside him. And to love him with all the heart, and with all the understanding, and with all the strain, and to love one's neighbor as oneself. It's much more than all whole burnt offering and sacrifices. Watch this, verse 34. And when Jesus saw this, he answered wisely, and he said to him, look at me, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. You're not there yet. You're so close. You're not far from it. And after that, no one dared to ask him any more question. Look at me, River Valley. Love demands more of you and me than we often want to give. Because it's easy. It's easy to love lovely people, y'all. It's easy to love lovely people. But what about them? What about the them in your life? What about that sister-in-law? What about your mother-in-law? What about your brother who's out there and he's wayward and he's into joy? What about them? What about the stereotype? What about that race, that person, that social class who doesn't believe like you and doesn't behave like you? People want to belong before they believe. And if we're honest, those people who don't look like us, don't behave like us, they make us uncomfortable. With this love in this context, we read that Jesus broke boundaries to love the people that many despised. His love transformed people because his love saw past the disagreements and the offenses. Loving them like this is hard. Hating people, that's easy. You can wake up one morning and hate people really quick. Go ahead, talk to one of your girlfriends and say, girl, you have no idea what he did to me. I hate him. And then your girlfriend's like, I hate him too. You haven't even met him. It's easy to hate people. But to love people like Jesus loved? Now that's hard. That's 
sacrifice. There is a price you're going to pay to be a loving church because a scared world needs a loving church. Love is from God. You see, the Old Testament develops and amplifies these two points. Love for God and love for others. Love for God and love for others. Have you ever noticed the Ten Commandments? Have you ever noticed the Ten Commandments that the first four Ten Commandments has to do with loving God? And the other six has to do with loving each other. Loving God and loving each other. Loving upward. Upward and outward. Loving upward and loving outward. And he gave us this love to be fulfilled here on earth. In Mark 12, Jesus is confronted by that expert of the law. And he asked him, which is the greatest of the commandment? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor. So in 2002, the police commander came to me in Chicago and he says, Reverend DeJesus, we have a problem. We have an epidemic here. I said, what's the problem, commander? He says, we've arrested 600 women for prostitution and human trafficking and so forth and so forth. And then the commander said, is there anything your church can do? I said, Commander, we will pray for you. Now, how many believe in the power of prayer? How many believe in the power of prayer? I, too, believe in the power of prayer. But there comes a time where prayer must convert to action. So I went home. I told my wife, I said, Elizabeth, 600 women were arrested for prostitution. I went to sleep. Woke up the next morning, and I sensed like the Lord said, Choco, buy a farm. Buy a farm. We're a bunch of Puerto Ricans in the inner city of Chicago. (laughs) But I went to my wife. I said, babe, God wants us to buy a farm. And she says, what do you know about farming? I said, nothing. But I know about obedience. That when my father says to do something, because I got saved at 14, and he became my father. Love your neighbors. So I remember I went to one of our female pastors And I said to her, I said to her, would you go out for me, please, and get me five prostitutes? She said, come again. I said, I want you to go out and give me five prostitutes. She said, Pastor Joko. I said, go. Go give me five prostitutes. So she goes out, comes back two and a half hours later with five prostitutes. African-American, Hispanic, they're drugged up, they're messed, they're messed. Mini skirts, you get the idea, you get the picture. So the female pastor comes to me, the five girls over there, and it happened something like this. She came to me, says, Pastor Choco, the tall one, she's going to charge you $50 an hour. The other one's going to charge you $35 and so forth and so forth. It was $225 for all five women. I said, no problem. So I went to the women. I said, hey, she told me you're going to charge me $50. Yep, yep. Got the money and you're going to charge me $30. Yep, yep, got it. Paid you all, yep. And one of the ladies says, what do you want us to do? I said, I want you to follow me. And I brought them inside to the church in Chicago. And I know this is, you know, people are watching all over this place. My wife is with me the whole time. 
Because I know how the devil is. You know, people are like, oh my God, Pastor Rob brought this guy. He's crazy. <laughs> so I brought him into the church, y'all. I brought him into the church. And we had a tables filled with roses and candles. And one by one, I pulled out the chair. And I said, please sit. I bought your time for an hour. I'm going to tell you about a man named Jesus who loves you. You were not born a prostitute. And for one by one, I pull out the chair and they sat. And for one hour, my wife led worship and master's commission, the drama. And I taught about the love of Jesus. That not even Rahab was born a prostitute. Something must have happened. And here's the deal. With revelation comes responsibility. When God reveals to you the condition around River Valley or around your campuses, yes, pray, but we must act. Because you're learning that with revelation comes responsibility. And for one hour, I taught these girls about the love of Jesus. And after the one hour, I said, ladies, my hour is up. And uh, they all stood up. They were crying. They said, Pastor, no man has ever treated us this way. Here's your money. We don't want your money. And we ended up buying a farm three hours from Chicago. 15 acres where every Friday night, women from our church in Chicago goes into the, the hotels and, and the strip joints and clubs finding girls who are being trafficked to be rescued. There's a cost. It's easy to love people who are lovable. But how about those who can't give you anything? And I got news for you all. When Jesus healed the 10 lepers, that gives you at least a percentage of how many people will come back to say thank you. Only 10%. The other 90 will never come back to say thank you. Love is God. God is love. And love has always been at the center of God's heart. He says it in Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 3. He says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I've continued my faithfulness to you. It's his DNA, y'all. It's his DNA. The kingdom of God. It's a kingdom of love. Because God is love. Everything that God did from Genesis to the book of Revelation was born out of love for you. And I'm so glad you came to church today because he wants me to tell you he loves you. In your mess, he could pull a message out of your life. And there's someone here today that needs to hear this message in this weekend, that he loves you. That's why he sent me to you. And you're probably having a hard time loving someone in your family. Maybe a son or a daughter who's having identity crisis. Love is the currency of heaven. Listen to me. Love is the currency of heaven. And because of this, love is the great commodity of the kingdom. And that's what keeps our relationship going. Our relationship with God and we, each other. This is how we can love our enemies. We need, to, we need to withdraw from the bank of heaven, which is love. More than Bible study. More than prayer. More than fasting. These disciplines are good, but without love, we're a sounding symbol. We're just making noise. Love begins with God. He created you because he loves you. And he sent his son to die for you because he loves you. And he's coming back again because he loves you. You get the idea. This is his love. 
And I got news for you, River Valley. I want to tell you that I love you too. And there's nothing you could do about that. There's nothing you could do about that. Love. It's difficult for people to understand this. Our love is so conditional. Our love is perverted. Our love is, you know, it, it's this way. It's because of love or in spite of love. There's two different types of love. Because of love. Because of your gift and your talent. Because of your money. I love you. But this other one is in spite of. In spite of that you don't have anything. That you can never repay me back. These five women, they could never give tithings or offerings to the church. It's in spite of. That kind of love, look at me. That kind of love is impressive. Because it is seldom seen these days. But it's real. It's contagious. In spite of love, breaks through the defenses and destroys the walls that divide us. What are you saying, Pastor Choco? That we surrender our conviction? That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that we love people with truth. We must engage culture. We must not allow Hollywood to define who we are. We're people of love. Love. But not just any kind of love, God's love. There has to be a metamorphosis. There has to be a transformation. And that's why I love this scripture. Romans 5, 5 says this, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through whom? Through the Holy Spirit. I went to see the mayor from Chicago, Mayor Daly, when he was the mayor. And he said, Reverend, what's going on with all this violence? What's the problem? I said, Mary, do you really want to know? Just give it to me. What's the problem? I said, you're the problem. He says, I'm the problem. Yes. You think you could fix everything with money. And what we're having in Chicago and what we're having today in America, it's not a hand problem. It's not a head problem. We have a heart problem. If we fix the heart, the hand will follow. The head will follow. God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, for Christ's love compels us. Did you get that? It compels us. It moves us to the five women, to the homeless, to the gay, the straight, the black, the white, the Hispanic. It compels us. I'm reminded when we opened up the farm in 2002, I remember going to one of our elders of the church and his name was Rico. And he was a leader of the Latin Kings in Chicago. And Rico was mean back in the day, but the Lord healed him and saved him. And you know how that is. And now he's like a, like a softy. He just cries for anything. Well, Rico was a little bit older now. He's in his 60s at that time. And, and I went to him and his wife, Alice. And while Rico was in prison, Alice was in a farm. So God was kind of preparing her what her future would look like. You get the idea. So I bought the farm in Cambridge, Illinois. I saw these two elders and I said, you two are going to go to the farm. And they said, what? You're going to go to the farm and you're going to love people. You're going to love these girls. I don't even know who they are, but my father loves them. He loves them. 
So Rico, Alice left their jobs, retirement, their children, got in the van, head towards the farm. He gets to the farm, and before he gets to the farm, I said, by the way, you're not going to be there one year. You're going to be there 10 years. 10 years. Thus saith the Lord. He gets to the farm. He gets sick a year after in the farm. A year after, he gets sick. The doctors over there told him, you're going to die in nine months. You have this illness in your body. And they called me up in Chicago. I said, you're not going to die. You got nine more years, bro. You just keep working. He lasted 15 years to the glory of God. But I get to the story because one day, one of the ladies that went to the farm, she's one of the several classes, she gets to the farm. And when she gets to the farm, she's already wanting to go back. She was a little bit high. She was high. And she gets to the farm and she goes to the barn and she opens up the barn and she sees bikes, 10 speed bikes. Closes the barn, goes back inside, tells one of the ladies, I'm leaving tomorrow morning with one of those bikes. The lady goes and sees Rico and says, she's going to leave in the morning with one of the bikes. Rico around midnight when everybody's sleeping, goes to the barn and begins to take the air off the tire. All of them. The lady got there in the morning, thought no one was watching. And when she sees it, and she's telling the story to my wife years later, this lady. Years later, she's telling to Elizabeth this story. And she says, when she went to the barn and saw that the air was taken off all the bikes, she says, I have never felt so loved by somebody that they would take the air off the bikes so that I can stay. And she stood. She graduated. She's a member of our church for many years. Her daughter went to Camden, New Jersey to start a campus. Camden, New Jersey, the worst city in the United States. Out of a mother who went to a farm, she begins to bring healing to her family and restoration. That's what love does. It restores. Are you with me? It restores. Let me wrap it up here. In Luke chapter 15, there's a radical message of Luke chapter 15. It's the story of the three parables. You will miss the message if you think that each parable are independent. They're not independent. They're together. And let me give you a quick synopsis on there. Would you stand with me all over this place? Would you stand with me, please? All over our campuses, would you stand? And Jesus is saying the story of the three parables. It's the parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin, and the parable of the lost boys. Because I say they both are lost. One guy finds the sheep, the one that's lost, and he says, rejoice with me, because that which is lost is now found. Great story. Then the woman, she's looking for her coin. Rejoice with me when she finds it. And she calls all her friends on Facebook. Rejoice with me. Because that which is lost is now found. Then the story of the boy. He's the younger of two. And he goes to his father and he tells his father, give me my inheritance. Newsflash, River Valley. The one who gets the inheritance is not the second child, it's the first child. And furthermore, you only get an inheritance when your parents are dead. 
So essentially what the boy was saying to his father, hurry up and die. Or I wish you were dead. But the father in Luke 15 is a picture of God's love. He loves us so much that even when we insult him, he gives us what we want. Imagine that the boy, the father looks back to 15 and say, mijo, mijo, mijo is in Spanish means son. Mijo, I love you. You don't have to do this. And the boy's like, I'm sick and tired of church. I'm sick and tired of this. I'm out of here. Just give me my inheritance. And because the father loves him, he gives it to him. That's the love of God. He loves us. And he goes out and he squanders that wealth. Luke 15, 17 says, and the boy, when he woke up, came to his senses. And he said, OMG, I'm better off with my father as a servant. I'm not even worthy to be called a son. And he goes, and Jesus is telling us three parables. He's telling us, Jesus is sharing the story. And then Jesus said, and the father, when he saw the boy, ran to him. Glory to God. It's a big deal, Pastor Choco. Oh, it's a big deal. In the first century, men don't run. Women run. Children run. But Jesus said, and the father, when he saw the boy, ran to him. <laughs> Give me a hug. Now, this boy the day before was with pigs. And the father said, essentially, I'm going to take on this smell. I'm going to take this smell from you because this is the love I have for you. You get the idea. But I want to get to this point. Father's rejoicing. There's a party. There's a banquet. He, he orders a marachi band. Everything is just a great party. I started thinking in Luke 15, how is this possible? How is it possible, River Valley? That someone was looking for the sheep. Someone was looking for the coin. But nobody was looking for the boy. Nobody loved him enough to find him. So here's your assignment this weekend. As you leave church today, that you go out and love somebody. That you go out and encourage some people who don't look like you, don't talk like you. And maybe you haven't spoken to your sister in a year or your brother-in-law in a year or two years. That's going to break right now in Jesus' name. You go and embrace them. Because that's what love does. It compels us to do things that are crazy. With every head bowed and every eyes closed all over our campuses. I don't know how many of you here at the sound of my voice would say, Pastor Choco, this sermon was for me. I needed to hear this this weekend. I'm visiting loved ones. This weekend of 4th of July, I'm, I'm visiting loved ones. And I needed to hear this sermon. And my love is perverted. My love is conditional. But I want to love like God loves. In spite of. With every head bowed and every eyes closed, how many of you here at the sound of my voice would say, this sermon was for me? If that's you, I want you to lift your hands right now. All over our campuses here, pray for me. That I may love like God loves and maybe I need to ask for forgiveness for somebody here or a staff member or a member of our church. I need to get close to them and say, you know, I've just not been truthful. I need to love you. Hands are going up all over this place. Those that are watching online, hands are going up. Just put your hands over your, your cell phone or your computer, wherever it is. Just know that God loves you. I'm going to say this prayer. 
I'm going to say this prayer, and I want you to repeat this prayer with me right there where you're at. I want you to repeat this prayer with me. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I confess I'm in need of a Savior. Clean my heart. Forgive me of all my wicked ways. Dear Jesus, on this day, I give you my life. I give you my heart. Write my name in the book of life. And by faith, I'm a new person in Christ Jesus. Amen and amen and amen. God bless you all.